The light rain of the afternoon had thickened into a torrent by the evening. It emptied the streets of London, and even up close the street lamps, paced fifty feet apart along the pavement, were no more than shrouded yellow smudges against the darkness, while the buildings of Pall Mall loomed above like great lightless cliffs. As for the driver of Lennox's carriage, he and his horses alike were soaked to the bone, though upon closer inspection one could in the dimness around the driver's face perceive a small dot of orange, growing faint and then brightening every so often, his inextinguishable cigar. He didn't remove it to call down, "'Here we are, sir.' "'Thank you kindly,' Lennox answered, and climbed out of the carriage. It was a short, wet walk into his destination, Brooks's, one of the gentlemen's clubs along Pall Mall. Lennox was not a member here, preferring the less erratic and more civilised air of the Athenaeum or the Reform nearby. Certainly the average member of Brooks's was quite highly born, royalty were upon its rolls, but they were also almost uniformly wild men who gambled at cards for days and nights on ends, jousted with cues across the snooker table, and placed with each other the oddest sorts of bets in the infamous club book. This lay open on a marble plinth in the warm, comfortably carpeted entry hall where Lennox stood now. The entry that caught his eye read, Mr. Barclay pays five guineas to Lord Erskine to receive five hundred should he successfully entice an unclothed woman of good birth into a hot-air balloon, which must then attain no lesser height than one thousand feet. Oh, dear, said Lennox to himself. There you are. Lennox turned and saw his companion for the evening, Lord John Dallington, coming down the club's grand staircase. He was a handsome, compact man of perhaps twenty-seven or twenty-eight, wearing a black velvet blazer with a carnation affixed to its buttonhole. "'Hello, John,' Lennox said. "'Have you been peeking into the club book?' "'No, or rather, good. There's a bet I have with Ollie Pendleton, which I don't think you ought to know about. All on the up and up, I swear.' It's to do with stealing a certain horse from a certain stable. Damned impudence to call a lock unbreakable, sheer hubris. But never mind, it's neither here nor there. Come along, let's go up. I've reserved us the small room by the library. The wine is open. Lennox smiled. Cork it again, then. I have too much work to feel mutton-headed in the morning these days. Not to mention a daughter. How is she, then? Happy? Healthy? And Lady Jane? They're flourishing, thank you. I'm glad you've been able to get away, nevertheless. I've got a tricky one this week. Lennox felt a quickening of anticipation. Oh? It's a poisoning in Belsize Park. Have I read about it? Darlington, climbing a step ahead of him, shook his head. It hasn't made the papers yet, because the chap who was poisoned is hanging on to life like a limpet. He's comatose, unfortunately, which means he's roughly as communicative as one, too. Ha, <laughs> ha! Lennox and Dallington sat down to supper once a week, when both were in town, always at Brooks's. It was a strange and unexpected relationship. For many years Lennox had heard of the younger man only distantly, the disappointing youngest son of one of Lady Jane's closest friends. Dallington had been sent down from Cambridge under a cloud of angry rumour, and after that had proceeded to investigate every alehouse, gambling pit, and gin parlour in London, usually with a string of unnameable women and several debased aristocratic companions. 
By the time Lennox first really got to know him, Dallington's reputation had been hopelessly blackened. Yet now Dallington was probably the premier private investigator in London. Lennox himself had occupied that position for many years, before the whole business of Parliament took his attention away from crime, and during the time when it was still his primary pursuit, Dallington had come and asked to be his protégé. Lennox had been deeply suspicious at first, but within a matter of months, the young man, neither as pure at heart as Lennox would have wished, nor the wastrel his reputation would have had one believe, had saved his mentor's life and helped to solve the detective's thorniest case in years. These days they were firm allies, and while Dallington still came to Brooks's, he was a tamer creature, given over more and more to detection. Like Lennox, he felt a passion for it.